Hi folks, it's Andy, the analytical preacher. I mentioned before that sometimes I get the same question from believers and from non-believers. I think those are some of the best questions to answer. One of the questions that I get from both believers and non-believers is, where did all the water come from that caused the flooding in the time of Noah? And where did all the water go that caused the flooding in the time of Noah? Now, obviously, this is a very logical question. It's rational. It's a very common sense question. Where did the water come from? If the water was always on the earth, somehow in these bodies of water that then got absorbed up into the clouds just to come back down as rain, if the water had always been there, why wasn't the earth always flooded? Perhaps even the better question, the more reasonable question is, if the water got to the earth and flooded it, then why is the earth still not flooded? Really simple answers to these questions. Obviously, we're going to find both of the answers directly in Scripture. So let me just go ahead and jump right in. Where did the water come from that caused the flood in Noah's time? If you look at Genesis chapter 7, verses 11 and 12, it tells us where the water comes from. That says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, All the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. So the simple answer to the first question, where did all this water come from, and how was the earth not flooded if it already was on the earth? The vast majority, apparently, of the water for the flood came from what the Bible calls the fountains of the deep, and it speaks of it the fountains of the great deep bursting forth. So you can imagine this water shooting up through the crust of the earth, high up into the sky. Ultimately, it just falls back down as what we would call rain today. And that's where the water ultimately came from. It essentially went from below the ground, below the earth's crust to above the earth's crust. Now, scientists tell us, of course, that there are still vast quantities of water under the earth's core today. And they also tell us that it would have been possible, had the configuration been just right, that the water that we find in our oceans today in the world could have also been stored underground at some point. The land would have been configured a little differently, etc. But I think Genesis and the rest of the Bible sort of implies that that was the case anyway. And so as we read that account in Genesis 7, it makes it seem as if there was this huge store of water under the crust of the earth. And Genesis 1 talks about the Spirit of God hovering over the water as the earth was forming and so forth. This huge store of water under the earth, it burst forth. It would have probably transformed, you would think, that crust of the earth, which ultimately became the bottom of the ocean floor. And maybe it's associated with something like the mid-Atlantic oceanic ridge. That's a possibility. If you sort of look at a map of the ocean, you can sort of see this ring going around the globe and you're like, oh, maybe that's the weak spot that gave way. And then as it started to burst in one place and was zipping along at amazing speeds as the water burst forth, it created what, again, we today might call one of these oceanic ridges or oceanic mountains and valleys. But I think for most people, the more perplexing question is not Where did the water come from? But where did the water go? 
Thankfully, the Bible also directly and explicitly answers that question for us as well. We, we have to be careful. We find the answer in a psalm. Now, the psalms are a songbook. They're a hymn book for the Hebrew people. And so we have to be careful. We get some very valuable information, even some prophecies about Jesus. Psalm 16, Psalm 22, Psalm 110. We even get prophecies about Jesus in the psalm. But we do have to be careful because it is they are song lyrics. They are poems, essentially. But it gives us a really clear idea. Psalm 104, let me read verses 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9, says this. He set the earth on its foundation so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep, meaning the water, as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took flight. The mountains rose The valley sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth. So the Bible says, here's what happens. The land we can imagine maybe was relatively flat, smallish mountains and hills and no valleys that were really very deep. All of this water comes up from under the crust of the earth. And because the land is relatively flat, it easily covers the land, even the small mountains and hills that existed. As that water is coming up, the earth, the crust, is now sinking down. There's no water under it to hold it up. And so valleys begin to sink down. As this pressure of the water shooting up pushes along the ridge, pushes along the edge of this crust of the earth, of this tunnel that it's blowing out through, the water pressure would then cause the crust of the earth to bend and make the mountain, either make mountains or make those mountains much higher than they were before. And so just as the Psalm says, the mountains were rising up due to the pressure of the crust bending and the valleys were sinking down because there was no water below it now to hold it in place. One way to think about it is this way. If we take a flat a relatively flat, maybe a corrugated piece of cardboard. We put it in the bottom of a fish tank. It would only take a few inches of water to cover that cardboard completely. Now, go to the sides of the fish tank and grab the edge of the cardboard and bend it up. Make a sort of a U-shape or sort of a V-shape. And all of a sudden, what you would see is the portions The edges of the cardboard where your hands have bent it up are now above the surface of the water. And in that bottom of the U, in the bottom of that V, all the water has now collected. But the water might have only been two inches deep across the entire piece of cardboard as you roll the ends up and the middle begins to create a deeper valley. The water now could be four, five, eight, ten inches deep in that crust, in that valley. So you can imagine. Now, more realistically, as the land was moving, as the water was coming out and the continents were separating and all these things and the mountains were rising and the valleys were sinking, it's more like taking that piece of cardboard and maybe shaping it into a crude M or a crude W instead of a V or U. But the concept is still exactly the same. How could there have been enough water to cover this piece of cardboard completely And now 
there's cardboard sticking out of the water. Well, because the shape of the cardboard changed as the water. So say we set the cardboard on top of the water and it's floating on top of the water. And then all of a sudden, somebody cuts a big gash right in the middle of the cardboard and all of the car, all of the water comes on top and completely submerges the cardboard to a couple of inches. But then we round that cardboard up to make, again, a crude U-type shape. Some of the water still is in that hole that we cut in the cardboard right against the bottom of the fish tank. And the rest of it now is caught deeper than the two inches, is now caught four, five, six inches deep in this curve. And the rest of the cardboard is now safely above the water. And as long as it maintains that shape, will stay safely above the water. Oceanographers, the most famous of which, at least in my day, was the Frenchman Jacques Cousteau. Oceanographers, including Jacques Cousteau, have noted repeatedly that if the surface of the earth were flat, if the mountains were shrunk, but really more, more important, if the valleys of the ocean were pushed up, even just a bit, there would be more than enough water, there is more than enough water in today's oceans to completely cover the earth. So it's not unreasonable that the earth could have been covered in water, nor is it unreasonable given the depths of the ocean floor today that what enough water to cover the earth could be contained without the earth completely being submerged. We know land is about 29% of the earth. The other 71% roughly is covered in water. But because the ocean is so deep, the water that at one point covered the entire earth has now been drained down into these valleys. For example, the average depth of the ocean, which is sort of a meaningless figure, but the average depth of the ocean is around two miles deep, 10,000 or so feet below the surface before you get to the bottom of the ocean. But in the deepest portions of the ocean, we see trenches that go over six and three quarter miles deep. We see trenches at the bottom of the ocean that are around 36,000 feet below the surface of the water. So there are tremendous amounts of liquid being held in these deep valleys, in these deep trenches in the ocean. What if we put something under those deep trenches? Imagine you could go to the deepest trenches in the ocean and you could blow air or you could refill under that surface of the ocean with water and you could push those deep trenches up a little bit, a few thousand feet, say, all of a sudden the oceans would spill over onto the land and cover the earth in water again. So it's certainly not beyond the possibility that the, the biblical explanation here is exactly spot on. The water was beneath the crust. As it broke through the crust, it caused rain. Because the earth was shaped differently, the entire earth could have literally been covered in water. There is enough water in our oceans today to cover the earth in water. If you push the valleys up a bit and push the mountains down a bit, which then would explain exactly how enough water to flood the earth doesn't flood the entire earth today. Because as the Psalms say, the mountains did rise and the valleys did sink. And if we understand it that way, then we have our answer to where did all the water come from to flood in the time of Noah? And where did all the water go to that flooded in the time of Noah? The Bible always has answers even to our most 
intriguing or compelling or difficult questions. We simply have to know where to look in the scriptures to find them. Hope this was helpful for those who had that question. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Andy.